0: Previously, we discussed the customs of Lagba Omer. A while back, we discussed how the menhagim of Lagba Omer are of very murky origin, the different types of celebrations and so on, bonfires, and the whole idea of having a party on the, on the putative yard site of Rav Shem Ben is a strange thing. We mentioned one of the great opponents of Lagba Omer festivities was the Shol HaMeshiv, or Yosef Shol Nathanson, One of his many objections, besides the fact that he felt it was pagan, and so on, I think he says, besides that, he said it's one of the customs they used to have in, one of the customs they used to have in Lachbaumer, it's not as common today, but they used to just take things, clothing, garments, expensive ones, and just burn it in the bonfires. Today they burn mostly wood, hopefully uh, scrap wood and waste wood, but they used to actually uh, burn clothing, burn valuable textiles, and one of the Sholomeshiv's numerous objections to the, to this custom was that it's baltashchis. You're wasting perfectly good, perfectly good property for no reason at all, for no good reason. That was one of the many objections that he made to Lagba Omer. We're going to study tonight three chuvas of the Sefer Torah Lishma, all of which concern baltashchis, and in one of which he actually addresses this question of whether the Lagba festivities involving burning textiles, burning clothing, it, why it's not Baltashkas. He actually was more favorable toward Lagba Omer. He actually felt it was fine, it was not Baltashkas. The Torah Lishma is a fascinating work. It was published by a grandson and someone else, a grandson of the Beneshchai, Yosef Chaim of Baghdad. The sefer itself was written as though it was a manuscript he had found, the Beneshchai had found from a, a chacham of centuries earlier. About three hundred about three hundred years ago, the Chuvas the are signed. The, the curious name of Yecheskel Kachli. That, uh, that that the, the shuvas are signed Yecheskel Kachli, an odd name. But but the but the, the manuscript presents itself as having been as having been this uh, this, this, this this old work by uh, by a, by a chacham of centuries ago called Yecheskel Kachli. The Benishchai's grandson says it was really it was actually his father's own his grandfather's own work. It was actually a, a work by the Benishchai. He wanted to do Torah L'Shema, he wanted to compose Torah without taking any credit for it, without uh, just pure Torah, without any covered and glory and reputation, so he, he published some works uh, under a pseudonym without, uh, in order not to take credit for it. Why the grandson decided to give away the secret, maybe it was after his, uh, his grandfather had died. In any event, it, this, this claim is widely accepted as true, that the Torah lishma. Simcha has a picture of the Ish Chaim. This is a picture of Rabbi Yosef Chaim of Baghdad. Rabbi Yosef Chaim lived, thank you Simcha, lived about 150 years ago. He was one of the greatest Chachamim of Iraq. He was a, uh, he was a noted posek and Kabbalist. He wrote a number of beloved and classic, classic works in Halacha and other areas of Torah. He wrote the Rav Pa'alim, those are his chuvas that he published under his own name. He wrote Ben-Ishchai, al which has a lot of halacha, as well as other aspects of Torah as well. The, he was also a great Kabbalist, as we mentioned. Rav Pa'alam has Kabbalistic sections. He wrote the ben Yehoyada, a, 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 a work on Gemara and Agada, I think, primarily. He, wrote, he, he, was, a, he, he was an outstanding postake in, in Iraq. And the three chuvas tonight are, again, are from the Sefer Torah Lishma, which he never admitted were his, but are widely considered to be his. All three of these chuvas deal with baltashkas the first tshuva deals with the question of kisei, kisei hadam, the mitzvah of when you, when you slaughter a chayah or an oaf, a wild animal like a deer or an oaf like a chicken, even a domesticated chicken. There's a chiv of kisei hadam to cover the blood, a mitzvah called kisei hadam. We had it, I think, in last week's parasha, in, in, uh, two weeks ago in parasha's kedoshim. Uh, kedoshim or emar, I forget already. Uh, we, don't do it, uh, we don't do it to a behema, to a sheep or a cow, but we do it to birds like chickens and chayas. The question is, can you use property, useful property, like uh, can you burn a uh, clothing, can you burn a furniture and use the ashes to do Kisei adam? Question number one. The second tshuva is the one that deals with Lagba Omer and various other cases, as we'll see when we get to it. And the third tshuva deals with using items like scrap paper, giving them to your child to just play with and tear up and, and ruin and so on. The kid enjoys it. The kid gets a kick out of it. It's not exactly the most productive use of the paper. It's not what paper was intended for, at least back then. But it was a sort of productive use of paper. It was, it was, a, it was a useful use of the paper to give it to a child to play with. Is that Baltashchus? In all these cases, he, he, he is lenient. He has reasons why none of these cases violate Baltashkas. There are certain threads that, that are common to all the chuvas. There are certain, certain points that are particular to individual chuvas. But we'll, we'll go through briefly all his three tshuvas on Baltashchis and see how he applies it to a, about a half-dozen different scenarios, including the, the customs of Lagba Omer. So in the first chuva, he deals with the question of kisuy Adam. The is, again, when you slaughter birds or chayos, you have to perform the ritual of kisuy Adam. That means that, that you're supposed to make a kind of sandwich of the blood. There's supposed to be loose earth under the blood, then the blood, then loose earth on top of the blood, V'chisoh The Pasuk says, V'chisoh You should cover it with earth. Chazal Darshan means top and bottom with earth. So you're supposed to have a covering. The, the, the blood is supposed to be sandwiched, embraced by earth, top and bottom. Earth is earth. Earth is dirt, the kind of stuff in the ground. Chazal have a complicated sugya. We have all kinds of other, certain other types of granular, dirt-like substances are okay as well, including ashes. Ashes are also acceptable in Hebrew it's uh, it's a little bit of a play on words, afer with an ayin is dirt, afer with an aleph is ashes. Even though the says afer, not afer, but Chazal have, have drushes that afer is included as well. Accordingly, the Gemara brings, accordingly the Gemara brings a brisa. If someone is traveling and he's on the road, he doesn't have suitable dirt, he's in a desert where the dirt is not suitable. He doesn't have suitable dirt and he wants to slaughter an animal and do the mitzvah of Kisi adam. So what should he do? So it says if he has clothing, he can burn the clothing and use the ashes of the clothing to uh, do the Kisiyadah. If, if he has coins, gold coins, he can, he can uh, file down the coins, he can, he can crumble, he can grind the coins into gold dust and use the gold dust to cover the animal. That's a very expensive way to do the mitzvah, but that's what the Gemara says. If he has no other choice, that's what he can do. He can use ashes of his clothing. He can burn his clothing to ashes. He can he can file down his uh, his uh, his gold coin into gold dust and use that for kisya adam. Incidentally, my understanding is that kisya adam today is typically done with sawdust. Sawdust, wood sawdust is, is explicitly mentioned by the Gemara as something you can use. And I believe today they offer, they, they they generally use sawdust in the slaughterhouses. So the are Gemara you allowed, are you allowed to substitute doing something like meeting uh, one mitzvah, which is to cover uh, blood, and do something like uh, something wasteful as, uh, as uh, your, your gold coin to be able to do that? Yes, that, 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 that's a very good question. That, that, that's, that's exactly the question that the Torah Lishma is going to deal with. On the one hand, there's a mitzvah of Kisui Adam, a positive commandment. On the other hand, there's an Aveira of of not wasting. So that's going to be the, the central question he grapples with, is, is that mutter? Is that mutter? Why is that mutter? How do we understand the, the, the correct balance between those two mitzvahs? Exactly. So he begins, he brings this gemara, and he says, does it make a difference? So are we talking about uh, only clothing which is worn out and is rags anyway? It's, it's, it's headed for the garbage anyway. It's not very useful. Or maybe it's talking even about uh, good clothing. Again, uh, by gold, it, 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 I, I'm not sure what the analog for gold would be. There's no such thing as uh, waste gold. Gold is gold, unless it's you know, contaminated by radioactive uh, uh, something else in it. I mean, gold is gold. So I'm not sure. Clothing, you can say it's junk. There's nothing you can do with it. It's just rags. But I don't know how he would have that suffix about gold. Anyway, but he asked the question, exactly as Max, exactly as Max brought it up. He says, how is it, Mutter? It's Baltashis. He says, he says, even though it's true, there is a principle in halacha called assey do that sometimes you can perform a positive commandment even if that entails violating a negative one. For example, if a person has a linen garment, a linen talus, and he's putting on woolen, woolen treles, trelas is supposed to be wool, then, then that's okay because the mitzvah's asse of titsis is delched, overrides the mitzvah's los of not wearing shatne's. Normally, affixing woolen strings to a linen garment would be shatne's and would be a lavda raisa. Right? But if you fulfill the mitzvah of titzis, that's, uh that overrides. The mitzvah of titzis of Tcheles, overrides the mitzvah of Shatnes. But here that doesn't apply, he says, because one of the rules is that we only say, if the mitzvah is cotemporaneous with, with the Avera, while you're wearing the titzis, that's the mitzvah, you're also doing Shatnes. But here you're going to destroy the clothing a minute before you do the dam. You don't do the mitzvah of adam until a minute later. Since, they, since it's not exactly the same time, you don't say, say, Therefore, he says, if we're weighing the mitzvah, say, of Kise Adam against the lo, of Bal tashchis, then the mitzvah should not override, and it should be prohibited to do this because of Baltashas. So, the author of the Torah Lishma he actually brings an earlier discussion about this in the, in the Gaonim, cited by the Mordechai, and the Beis Yosef, and the Darke Moshe, so he gets into some fairly technical discussion, but his bottom line is, he says, the, the Ikradin is that, there, that it is not a problem, that there is no issue here of Baltashkis, We don't have to worry about the Isra Baltashchis. We are, we are entirely free to destroy the property, destroy the talus, destroy the gold coin, in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Dave, of Kisri adam. Why, he says? So he says, and he says, makes a point, which he will make in his other tshuvas as well, He says, what is baltashchis? It's a biblical prohibition. What is the prohibition of baltashchis? The prohibition of baltashchis occurs in the context of the discussion about war, about waging war. The Torah says, when you are engaged in a military campaign against the enemy, don't go around cutting down fruit trees. Let the fruit trees go. They're productive. They're useful. Don't wantonly destroy fruit trees. Lo hashchis es etza. Do not destroy the trees. Lo hashchis, in rabbinic Hebrew, it's often phrased as baltashchis, Baal means no in this context, do not. So the prohibition is against cutting down fruit trees, even in a military campaign. That's a fairly narrow prohibition. or refers to fruit trees. There is a generalization in the Talmud that it applies to other acts of destruction in general. When we talk about baltashchis, more often than not, we mean wastefully uh, getting rid of anything, wasting anything that, that otherwise could be used for a productive purpose. That's true, the Chai says. That is, that is included rabbinically in baltashchis, but that is not the biblical prohibition. The biblical prohibition, he says, is limited to fruit trees. The language of the Rambam is like that, that the, the isir Lav, Daraisa only applies to fruit trees. The general extended prohibition not to waste is rabbinic, he says. It's only a, it, it, it's a mere rabbinic extension of the, of the prohibition. Therefore, he says, the, since the mitzvah of adam is biblical and the prohibition is rabbinic, a, a biblical mitzvah of Kisai Adam can override a rabbinic prohibition of Baltashchus. Now, that itself is, is, is a non-trivial assumption. The idea that a biblical mitzvah can override a rabbinic prohibition, we, more often than not, don't say that. It, 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 the halach is, for example, if a, uh, if, that, that, that if you have, let's say, HaShavah aveda, if you have a lost property to return, and there's an issur of muktza or an issur of issur drabanan of Shabbos. You don't do it. We don't. We, we often don't say that an issur that, that an that, that a mitzvah daraisa can override a an issur drabanan. If if you have to go outside the tchum or to climb a tree on yantif to get a shofar, we all, I, I, my understanding is more often than not we don't say that you should that you should violate an issur even drabanan in order to do a daraisa. But at least in this case, the the Torah lishma says he he, he would find it difficult to understand. Why you would violate bal- an isur of baltashkes for the mitzvah of kisya adam, but if it's only an isur of Baltashkis, it's only part of the rabbinic extension of baltashkes, then he thinks it's reasonable that Chazal would have said that in order to do the mitzvah, the mitzvah of kisya adam, they suspended their own mitzvah. Maybe they made an exception in this particular case, but they suspended, but but they suspended their their rabbinic mitzvah of balt- the rabbinic extension of baltashkes in order to in order to allow for the mitzvah of Kisueh Adam. Now, we might have said something else. We might have given a different answer to this question. We might have said that there's no issue of baltashchis here because I'm doing it for a constructive purpose. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not engaged in wanton destruction. I have a reason for doing this. My reason for, for burning my clothing, my reason for destroying my coin, is to fulfill the Torah's mitzvah baltashchis. So that, that, that's not wanton destruction. Yes? So... So, so and, and and we'll see the Tarlishma Lishma himself and some of his other tshuvas is going to make this point. He's going to justify certain kinds of destructive behavior, like Lag like Baomer, even when there's no actual mitzvah involved, simply because it's for a good reason and it's for a good. Even though it's not a mitzvah derisa, certainly, even those who defend Lag aren't going to claim it's one of the Taryag mitzvahs. Nevertheless, it's for a it's for a good reason. It's for a legitimate reason. So there's no Baltashkas. So that's what I would have said to the question of kisi adam. But, for some reason, the Torah mud does not make the argument like that. Instead, he says that they're doing it for a... Uh, that, 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 instead, he says that, that you're doing it for... The, at least his first point is you're doing it for... It's a mitzvah d'araisa, and it's only an ishedra And, therefore, he says that, uh, that it's mut. And he brings another example of this, that, that he says works according to the same rule. He brings a very curious Mishnah. The Mishnah says that it, when, when the temple was, was operational, when the temple stood, when the temple was operational... They would have a kind of honor guard. It says that Kohanim and Levim would uh, would stand guard. Not the Maharashim explain. I think not actual security guard to keep out riffraff, but it was a kind of honor guard, like they have in Buckingham Palace, I guess. A kind of uh, way of showing cover to the Mikdash by having people stand Mishmar around the base of Mikdash, and they weren't supposed to go to sleep even at night. They were supposed to be part of the cover was to stay awake. It says it was once a Ben Levi who fell asleep. And they burned his clothing. There was a penalty that, that, that uh, as, as, a, as a penalty, as a disincentive against falling asleep while on duty, they would burn the person's clothing if he fell asleep. Baltashkes <laughs> the Benishkai says, what kind of business is this? How can you burn clothing? He says, no, he says, "Baltashkes is only drabbanan, And once it's drabbanan, he says, we can say, there's a principle that sometimes at least are suspended in the temple. Not always, he says. He says Tosu says only when it's something essential, not, not not for any arbitrary reason. But this is called essential. He says preserving the the dignity of the mikdash and preserving the the seriousness and rigor of these of these uh, of these watches was important. And therefore, again, the same just like Kisi Adam, the mitzvah deraisa of Kisi Adam overrides the Rabban and Tashchis, So too, he says, the the, the imperative of preserving the mishmarah of providing strong disincentives against being lax in the Mishmar overrides the Isra Drabanan abaltashkhis outside fruit trees. Similarly, he says, or he says more like the other shot we said, he says, that uh, we can say also, he says, that Lamygnar Milsa that for that for uh, Milsa to teach people a lesson, he says, he says that that w- w- whether it was for cover amikdash, he says, whether it was Lamygnar said it, to teach people a lesson that they shouldn't uh that, that, that they shouldn't do this, he says, that's enough of a reason to suspend to suspend uh, Baltash because even if there is another solution, he says, even if we'll say for some applies, even when there's no good solution, he says. But here we can say, again, here we can say that uh here we can say so his first show is to say that that that, that we say anchbus and because because uh I'm sorry. Right. So, right his, his his first point was that the gaonim held that baltashkes not as a for the mitzvah of kisi adam. It's mutter. His second point he makes. I, I skipped a little bit. I went a little bit out of order here. His second point is he says that the that that that, that the, so there's no re, there's no real Baltashkis here at all because you, really what we said you're doing it you're doing it for a productive purpose. Kisi adam is uh, is is important and. Uh, and, uh, and and you're doing something constructive with the with the blood, so with the blood. So 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 it's not really so it's not really at all. And that's why he says he says that that's why he says Baltashkas is only midrash And again, he says we can explain. That's why they burnt. Uh, that's why they burnt the ben levi clothing. He says because uh, because that this was something important. Or again, he says well, mikdash was for a good reason. So because of these various reasons, either because what we were trying to accomplish here in these cases of kisi adam and of the mishmar. Was something useful, something productive, coupled with the fact, and he says Baltashkis on, on these type of contexts. In these, in these types of contexts, is only midrash Therefore, he says Baltashkis doesn't apply. That is the first of his three shuvas. The second shuvah is perhaps the most interesting, and perhaps the most uh, provocative. Also, I'm sure some of you will, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure some of you will have. Oh, sorry, what? I'm sure some of you will have opinions about this uh, about this about this case. But here's the case of the second chuba. Somebody bought some silk fabric, uh, beautiful silk fabric, to give to his wife to make herself a dress, a gown of some sort. So she did, and it was a very, very beautiful gown. It was ornamental and beautiful, and uh, the problem was it was something that the fabric was a, uh, a thin, ethereal kind of diaphanous fabric. It was see through or translucent or something. And uh, there, there was a lack of tznius in this garment that the woman, the woman fashioned for herself. You could see her unmentionables, he says, Kol Malbusha was visible through it. So the husband was very concerned that, I guess he didn't realize when he bought the, gar- the, the, the cloth what it would look like. The husband was very dissatisfied with this. He felt that this garment of his wife was violated the Jewish values of tznius So... Particularly, it, 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 was, it, it was exacerbated by the fact that A, the garment was the and B, it was such a beautiful garment, it was very eye-catching. So Everyone looked at it, and it was kind of see-through. So it was a terrible situation, he felt. He, he was not happy with his wife wearing this dress at all. He asked her not to wear it, but she liked it so much, it was such a beautiful, such a beautiful garment, she couldn't bring herself not to wear it. So the husband was just uh, couldn't tolerate this, he wanted to destroy the dress. He wanted to burn it up. But Zina, you know, surreptitiously, she wouldn't realize. I guess he'd, uh, you know, I guess he'd somehow start an accidental fire and it would burn the clothing. He wanted to burn the dress. He wasn't worried about starting up with his wife, infringing on her property. That the assumption seems to have been he was the husband. He bought it. It was really his. But uh, his concern was baltachus. He's destroying property. He's destroying useful property. He wanted to know if the. If, if burning up this garment would violate Baltashchus. So the Torah Lishma brings a, a Gemara, a precedent for this. He says, there's a Gemara that says in Brachas, it says that there was once a, it says there was a wedding, people were a little too, there was a little too much levity, there, there was a little too much uh, unbridled joy, and uh, so he went ahead and he took a, a glass that was worth 400 zuz, a small fortune, and he smashed it, and they all sobered up. They all were a little shaken by this. So the so the 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 holiness, the 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 unfettered joy was reduced to a religiously acceptable level. Another story: Rabashi made a wedding for his son once. He saw that the rabbans were a little too getting a little too carried away in their joy. He took a, gla- a cup of white glass, very expensive kind of glass, and he shattered it. And again, they got sad, and and they and that was uh, he accomplished his goal. This is actually one of the, the source, the Talmudic source for our minhag of breaking a glass at the at weddings. So says the Torah Lishma, what happened to Baltashchis? You're taking a valuable glass, 400 zoos, 400 zoos was a small fortune, he says, a big fortune. You're taking a valuable glass and you're smashing it, he says. How you let it do that? What happened to Baltashchis? He says, you see, that if it is for l'shem mitzvah, for a good cause, for a good reason, even though it's, yeah, it's not a mitzvah derisa, breaking a glass at a wedding is not one of the tiring mitzvahs, but it's a good reason, it's a religious custom, he says, it's mutter. And the same thing, therefore, applies to this garment of his wife, which is not snius. Burning it is an is a appropriate religious thing, so there's no baltashkas. Before we go further into the case of the dress, we should just note that the, today the custom typically is to smash a pretty cheap glass I don't think anyone thinks twice. The caterer provides it. It's a, it's a simple little thing. There are postkim who actually have said you really should not smash something cheap. You really should smash something that has considerable value. The whole point of this is to feel sad. People have pointed out People have pointed out that the, the Minnag seems to have morphed from its original version. The original version in the Gemara was that you smash a glass, not, nothing to do with the Corbin, you smash a glass just because it's not appropriate to have too much levity at a wedding. Too, too much levity in general. In general, the Gilu Barada, Ari Zavatovsky has one of his uh, Mythbusters. What's the Truth About Breaking a Glass at a Wedding? He points out that originally the Minna had nothing to do with weddings. It had to do with, nothing to do with the Chorban of Yushalayim. nothing to do with weddings. I mean, it happened at weddings, but it was a general thing. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't have too much joy. You shouldn't, a person should be sober and serious and remember his place, so they smashed a glass. Later, the, the, the later poskim began to associate this with Zecher Lahorban, and today it's brought in Shulchan Aruch, and today the postkim describe it as a custom of Zeichel Chorban, like other customs we have at weddings. But either way, the point is, the Gemara, the Gemara makes a point of saying that it was a very expensive glass, and it's supposed to make you feel sad when you smash it. Nobody, feel, nobody feels sad when they smash a cheap glass that they don't think twice about. The, the other aspect of this is various post-gum, Ravavadi and others have pointed out that the, the common protocol where after they smash the glass, everyone says mazel tov, and they start singing and dancing, is really inappropriate. Many, many post say that you should not do that. You should... Wait before you say malzeh. That's why some say imesh kachech between the uh, a sad, you know, slow thing in between the about the in between breaking the glass and the music and dancing and hugging and all that. But either way, the point is breaking the glass was supposed to make you feel bad. That's why you should use an expensive glass, according to some postkim, But although that's not the minag. But getting back to the Torah lishma. So he says the point of that gemara is even an act which is fundamentally destructive. Is mutter when it's done in the for, in, when it's done in the name of some positive religious value, even if, even if it's not a formal mitzvah. He says here as well, if this dress is a problem of teneiras, he says, telling her not to wear it is not an option. She can't. Uh, you know, she's not willing to do that. Therefore, he says, destroying the the garment. He says is mutter and it's not baltashkas. However, he gives you some marital advice here. He says, you should do it pitzina. You should not do it. In her face, in a, in a way that she'll notice, sh- she shouldn't notice at all, and do it do it with discretion and, and wisdom and tact. Uh, with, with wisdom, she shouldn't know that you did it. He says, because then, you'll, then, you'll, then that will lead to shalem bias problems, Kitata and mariva. It'll lead to quarrelling. Do it in a way that she won't realize, and then everything will be good. He says, and he says the language of the Shoal, the Shoal himself, suggests that he would do it because he was well aware that if, if, if she understood he was doing this, she would be quite upset at him. So we said, and she would, and, and even if you just burn it when she's not looking, if she'll put two and two together, if she'll see that it was a a, a deliberate a, a deliberate attempt to destroy the dress, and she'll know that you were opposed to it, and she'll know that you tried to stop her, and she's smart enough to realize that uh, it must be that you did it. Find some way to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but uh, use your use your ingenuity. Find some way to make it look like an accident, so to speak, where, where she won't blame you. And so, so it's good to do it, he says, but not at the cost of of injuring your Shalom Bayez, you shouldn't cause Ketat and mariva, and not, not causing Ketat and mariva is very important, he says, because you know, who knows what will happen if you do that, I don't know why he has to explain to you why Ketat and mariva is a bad idea, that's common sense, I think, that causing arguments with your wife is, uh, is a bad idea for a variety of reasons, but anyway, so th- this is the position of the Torah Lishma, destroying the garment is, uh, is a good thing, because it's the only way to solve the Tzniah's problem, Therefore, Baltashkas doesn't apply, because when you're doing something for a constructive religious reason, there's no concern for Baltashkas. Incidentally, this advice of the Torah Lishma that do it, but don't do it in a way that it'll cause uh, machlokas and problems, this, this is strongly reminiscent of another tshuva in the Torah Lushma, which we studied a while ago. That was a tshuva about a man who died intestate, and al-pi'alacha, his sons, inherit the property, not his daughter's but there were daughters who weren't going to follow the halacha and were going to take the inheritance based on local non-Jewish law. So the, the proposal was, can they forge a will? After the, 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 the father had died, can, they, can people forge a will, uh, a made-up will that, he, that, that, that gives all his property to his sons, so that if she goes to court, they can present the will, and all the money will go to the sons, which is according to Din Torah. So the Torah Lishma said, in principle, yes, he says, in principle, even though it's lying, lying is mutter to, mutter pre- to you're allowed to lie to preserve peace and promote peace, and certainly to promote the Torah, he says, that the Torah is the greatest peace. So in principle, he says, you're allowed to lie to, hold, to uphold the Torah. However, he says, if there's a chance of getting caught, And if they catch you, then things will really be bad. Chil Hashem, it'll be terrible if they catch you foraging wells. Be very, very careful before you do such a thing, he says, because even if in principle it's okay, you definitely do not want to run the risk of getting caught and and creating terrible problems. And that's similar to what he says here. He says, in principle, yes, it's a good idea to destroy this garment because it is engendering a Tznius violation. However, he says, be very careful not to cause shalom bias problems, because even if the woman is wrong in wearing it, but you, don't, that, 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 you certainly shouldn't be causing ketat and mariva, you certainly shouldn't be uh, instigating a quarrel with your wife, and therefore he says, yes, you should figure out some way to destroy it, without her realizing, assuming that's possible somehow, without her realizing, and that he, he, he is something you should do, because again, the principle is that Baltashkis does not apply when you have a constructive religious purpose for doing what you're doing. And now he turns to Lag BaOmer. He says, "There's a minhag of Yisrael that on the night of Lag BaOmer tonight they go to Meron. Tonight I don't, I don't know if they typically do it tonight or tomorrow night, but on, 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 the, on the on the night of Lag BaOmer they go to Meron and they light. Uh, today we light wood bonfires. They light uh, they light pieces of clothing. He says, expensive ones, chashuvim, in honor of Bshimon Ben Yochai. <inaudible> Unlike the Sholom Meshiv, who certainly was mafachvek and said." It's a terrible minhag, baltashchis, and so on. Ain lefach Why they're mechavim l'shem mitzvah? They're doing it for a good reason to show kavod to to B'shimon ben Yochai. There's no chashash uh, of baltashchis mina Yisrael torahu. It is not a problem. The Sholom said, "What kind of mitzvah he says? It's burning clothing? Since when is that? How the Gemara talks about burning clothing for kings in, in certain very limited cases." There was an ancient Jewish tradition to burn clothing to show covet. It doesn't apply and uh, an arbitrary celebration. But the Ish Chai says, no. The Ish Chai says, yes, it does. He says, this is why we're doing it. We're doing it for the cover of Rabbi Hashem Ben Yochai. And therefore, there's no baltashchis because we're doing something that is a religiously constructive act. And therefore, we're not concerned with baltashchis. Another example, he says, he says, there's a custom that people light neros and Shul. Less, less common in, in America, and in Ashkenazim, more common among, uh, I think, Israelis and Sephardim. They light Nerus, many Neiros in a basic of Knessus. Even during the day, he says, they just light candles. Even though, he says, it doesn't really contribute any useful light to the shul. It's, it, it's broad daylight. And some places, they don't even have a roof, he said. They still light candles. The sun is streaming in during the day. There's absolutely no useful light that is created by the candles. Shraga Batira Mayahani Nevertheless, he says it's not baltashkes. We don't say you're wasting the candles because you do it for the covered basic neissus. That's covered to have candles burning, even if, they, even if they don't contribute useful light. That's still considered covered basic neissus or covered of the tzadikim. We light in honor of the yartzeit, I guess, if tzadikim. He says they do it l'shem mitzvah. Again, even though it's not a formal chiyuv of the gemara, but it's done for a positive religious reason, so that's okay. V'adin hacha, it is mutter to do this as well. This is actually an interesting interesting thing. The, when we light Shabbos candles, we light it both because Chazal wanted it to be light in the house on Shabbos, and also we light it for a covet, because it's covered Shabbos to have lights. It's actually a machlokas, a poskim, and the Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch disagree about this, whether, if there already is light in a room, whether you can fulfill the limits of Shabbos candles by lighting more candles. The Ramah Paskins and B'nai Ashkenaz follow Paskin that even if one woman has already lit, Another woman can light, because even though there's already light in the room, it's covered Shabbos. The, just like the Benishchai says here that having candles and shul, even during the day, is covered for the shul. Having multiple candles for Shabbos is covered for Shabbos. So the second woman is also fulfilling a mitzvah so she can light candles. Machabr says no. Machabr says that with uh, one woman lit, another woman can't light with a bracha. And this, of course, is relevant today when we have room lights. The, the minog of many people is that they light Shabbos candles, even though the room lights are on. Some posts can say you shouldn't. Ravavadio, following the Sephardic tradition, says very strongly you should not, because unless you're actually providing useful light, that's not the mitzvah of Adlachis Ne'er Shabbos, he says. You have to turn off the light first, he says. And on Yantif, where you can't turn off the light, he says you should put it on a timer or you, or you, or you should light it in another room, he says. You, you can't just, as I recall, you can't just light because, because just, just covered, at least in the context of Nair Shabbos, he says, he doesn't accept this argument that covered is, uh, is enough of a reason to fulfill a mitzvah, is enough of a basis to fulfill the mitzvah of Nair Shabbos. But here, the Torah Lishma says when it comes to Baltashkis, as long as you have some reason, again, all these other things are not really mitzvahs either, like Baomer, breaking a glass under the chuppah, they're not formal mitzvahs, but nevertheless, because there is some religious imperative to do it, therefore it's not Baltashkis, like Baomer is not Baltashkis, lighting the, the Neris and the basic Nessus is not Baltashkis, and similarly, he says similarly, he says that burning, that, that burning the, the garment that's not Sanuah. That as well is not Baltashkas, he says, because you're doing it for a positive religious reason, and therefore it does not violate the prohibition of Baltashkas. Once again, he remember, says, yes. This idea of religious reason and uh, that—that's that, uh, it. it. Does it matter if it's a cultural thing, a minhag, or a bunning type of thing? Because we can we can choose all kind of customs and say, what is our custom? It's a uh, stronger... Purpose. So I, I think, w- w- where do we draw the line? How do we balance things? Right, I, 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 I think you're making a good point. that, And, and his first tshuva as well, in tshuva on adam, he was not so quick to say that uh, just because the mitzvah is automatically mutter. He, he, he didn't just jump to that conclusion. He didn't bring these precedents. He started talking about how it's only drabanan and the mitzvah Daraisov. <laughs> he emphasizes mitzvah Daraisov, adam, exactly as you're saying, that he, in the first tshuva he was... Uh, he gave us some a more limited heterie. It was only because mitzvah is more important than Baltashka Strabana. These things are certainly not mitzvah daraisa. Had you just read the first shuva, you would have probably concluded you need a bona fide mitzvah daraisa, or you need Migdar Milsa. Migdar Milsa means it's important to to teach people a lesson, not to do bad things like falling asleep on guard. And in the first tshuva, he gave a much more limited hetzer of, of, of Baltashkas. You're right, he, he implied that we need a, a much more solid mitzvah deraisa or something similar, before we can go around suspending baltashkes, even though it's drabanet. In this chuva, though, he seems to be much more liberal, taking a much uh, looser standard, adapting a much looser standard, that even though it's not a mitzvah deraisa, it's just a, a custom, like a cultural custom, like you said, of, of, of smashing a glass at a wedding, just a minhag, or just a shem ben yochai minhag, which is not even from the Talmud, which is a relatively recent Minog. This shuva seems to take a much, much looser standard that as long as you have any positive religious reasons, it's good enough. The Shalomeshiv we said, did not agree with that. Just, he said, just because you want to call it covered for a tzaddik, that's not enough of a reason to, uh, to justify baltashkas. So yes, I agree that the second shuva seems to be giving you a very, very broad hetzer. Where do you draw the line? Is, is there any line? I agree that that, that is a very good question. How, how far can you take this? I don't know. That's a, uh, that's a very good question. I'll, let me just finish this chuva. I'll add one more point about this in a moment. He, he adds again the last point to the second chuva. Also, he goes back to the point he made in the first tshuva. Baltashis outside, fruit trees, is anyway only an Isra D'Rabanan. It's not an Issur D'Raisa. Brings the Rambam again. And uh, it only applies to trees. It doesn't apply to other types of property. Now, there's an amazing Gemara, which also seems to indicate that not every good impulse automatically justifies bal tashchis. There's a, there's a remarkable Gemara in the first parak in Chulam. The Gemara says that Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair, the, the, uh, one of the great Tanaim, was visiting the home once of Rabbi Yudah Nasi. Rabbi Nasi really wanted the honor and the pleasure of a visit from Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair. So it says when Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair came to visit Rabbi, he saw that Rabbi's house, Rabbi's premises, had in them certain types of animals which were dangerous. Could Nisa, Chivarta, certain white mules which were that they, had, they had a nasty kick, and, and and were very were were dangerous. Were 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 public menaces. They 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 were threats to people. They could injure or kill people. And it's not appropriate to keep these animals around. So Rappinuches Benyarr was not pleased. He said Malacham Maves be the the Malacham He's keeping a Malacham in his house. He's acting improperly. I'm not going to go into the house of a person who behaves improperly like this. So he wouldn't enter the house. Rabbi Yudha tried to propitiate Rabbi Pinchas Ben Yar. He tried to find a solution to this problem. So the goes through a bunch of different solutions that he proposed, all of which Rabbi Pinchas Ben Yar is shot down. At one point, he suggested, I'll kill these animals. So I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, euthanize them. I'll kill these animals if they're dangerous. Rabbi Pinchas Ben Yar said, you can't do that because it would be Baltashchus. Destroying, uh, destroying a live, healthy animal is Baltashchus. Similarly, the Gemara says, he, Rebbe suggested he could hobble them, he could cripple them in such a way that they wouldn't be able to kick. They could still be useful to do work, so it wouldn't be Baltashkas, but they couldn't kick. So that the Gemara says, no, it's Tsar Balechayim. To, 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 to injure an animal like that is Tsar Balechayim. So the Achronim asks, what, what does that mean? These animals were dangerous. Malachamavis, these animals, you're not allowed to have dangerous animals. If these animals were so dangerous, then why on earth is it Baltashkas? He's supposed to destroy dangerous animals like snakes and so on. So, why on earth is it Paltashkas to destroy them? So, a snake, you can argue, has no useful purpose, or it's not Paltashkas. But you're supposed to destroy dangerous animals. Rabin ben Yair was obsessed that they were around. So, why is it Paltashkas? Similarly, why is it Tsar Balechayim? If, uh, if, if, if there's a human need, you want to stop humans from being terribly injured by these animals, why are you worried about Tsar Balechayim? So, Bacharanim struggled greatly with these questions. But one remarkable approach, one very striking approach by, by, by the Priyitzchak, Ravitzla Rav Rav Petterberger, is that the risk was actually very very low? The risk that these animals posed to people—they weren't—they uh, weren't you know wild uh, unleashed tigers. These animals were not that dangerous. There was a small danger. The, the, the danger was non-zero, but it's uh, but it was a, it was a small but a distinct but small danger. As we discuss in the context of COVID and other contexts, everything in life is about uh, cost-benefit analysis, about risk management. It's never zero. It's often not zero. In this case, the, the animals were slightly dangerous. How, if they were really dangerous, of course there would be, no, be no din of baltashkis in destroying them. Of course there would be no isr tzar b'alechayim to destroy to to, to, to to cripple them if they were really dangerous. But they were, they were only minimally dangerous. They, they weren't really that dangerous. Therefore, Ben Baniyar held that the isr of Baltashkis is not justified to eliminate uh, this very, very small danger. The isr of tzar balechayim cannot be overridden to because of this very very small danger, it's still a tremendous chiddush. It, 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 was, eno- it was dangerous enough that he called it malcham and he refused to enter Rebbe's house. He, he felt Rebbe was somehow in the wrong. But Afal became arbitrarily small dangers don't uh, don't justify isurim. Don't justify the overriding of isurim like tzar Balei Chaim and Baltashis. So again, so the, this this brings us back to Max's point. It isn't true that any, any, any need, any want or need, no matter how small or how insignificant, automatically overrides baltashkas. That's absolutely not true. You, have to, you have, It has to meet some threshold of significance. So how does the Torah Lishma decide that the custom of Lag Baomer or the custom of lighting candles and shuls, these are not exactly uh, halachas. These are customs that developed, folk customs that developed of, of relatively uh, recent vintage. Afal became, the Torah Lishma, felt that these customs were important enough, were significant enough, that they were grounds for overriding Baltashchis. Again, not everyone agreed. The Sholem Eishif did not agree. And partly due to the fact that Sholem Eishif didn't think much of Lag in general. He felt the whole thing was kind of alien and un so he also threw in Baltashchis. The, the Benishkai, who was a Kabbalist, who came from the Sephardic tradition, was, uh, not, uh, was not surprisingly a little more sympathetic to the, to the traditions of, of Lag Bomer. So Postman can disagree sometimes about how important a minog is and and, and maybe what the threshold is for overrunning Baltashkis. But this is what the the Torah Lishma says in the second shuva. Here he takes a somewhat more liberal, more lax standard that any legitimate religious need, even if it's only a minog, even if it's something relatively minor, is grounds for disregarding the concern for Baltashkis. The third shuva is a small shuva immediately following the previous one. This is a charming little uh, discussion. He says, Papers, you have old papers or even new papers. If they're blemished, they're, they're, they're a little bit damaged, and you, you, you can't use them for your, uh, for your formal business needs, he says, for your, for, your, for your serious correspondence. Can you give them to your children, he says, to, uh, to play with? The kids enjoy it. They have time, they have pleasure in tearing them up into little pieces and so on. Just this evening, my son was making paper airplanes out of uh, paper. He'd take papers, he copied over patterns onto them, he folded them up, he made toys out of them. So is, is that a, so? we would have said, of course that's military. Well, why, what, every toy is made out of some raw material that could be useful to uh, make something sober and utilitarian out of. Instead, it was made into a toy, a chess game, a bicycle. So a bicycle is useful for transportation, but, you know, stuffed animals. You, know, you, you, you took cloth that could have been used to make clothing to keep you warm. We made it into a stuffed animal that, that, that keeps your kid company and gives him pleasure and makes him feel better when he's sad. So is that Mutter? Is that Baltashkas? I mean, we would have said, of course not, probably. But uh, that was the that, this is the question that faced the Torah Lishma in the third Shuva. Giving so it could be the question here was more he wasn't really making it into a toy per se. He wasn't taking it, not like my the case of my son who was actually making paper airplanes out of it. The kid just enjoys shredding paper. He just enjoys making a mess and shredding the paper. Parents don't always enjoy it so much, but the kids enjoy it. The kids enjoy tearing papers into lots of little pieces. So it could be that was the Shiloh. He's not doing anything constructive with the paper. It's not even an airplane or origami. He's just taking paper and tearing it up because that gives him pleasure. His pleasure fundamentally is in a destructive act of tearing up papers. So is that Baltashkis or not? The paper's still useful. Even if it's not really useful for for uh, formal correspondence, you can use it as wrapping paper or uh, something, and the kid is just shredding it. So is that mutter or not? That was the Shiloh. This is the shortest of all three tshuvas. He says... Ein bozeh shash absolutely mutter, not a problem at all. It's a Gemara in Yom. He brings a Gemara in Yom, an interesting Gemara. The Gemara seems to discuss something very similar. Abaye, Abaye is quoting his aim, his mother, his nurse. Abaye, throughout Shas, quotes all kinds of pithy little uh, tidbits of advice about life, about health, from, from, his, from this wise woman who raised him. So here he talks about things that, chi- things that children need, at different ages, different types of different types of preparations and things that children need, needs of children, needs, wants. So it says, as a child grows up, at one stage in his life, it says, tabare money. You need to give him things to break. You need to give him, uh, or, 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 or give him broken things to play with. And it brings that Rabbah bought for children, Rabbah bought for his children, he bought things that were uh, already somewhat broken, and they broke them even more. You're not going to give them a fine, first-class calum, but he brought he brought things for them to just break, and kids need to just... Uh, be riotous and destructive and break things. That's part of being a kid, and therefore, it's good for kids to do that. Says the Torah it says Rabbah bought them. He didn't just fish them out of the garbage. These weren't completely worthless kalem. These were shards of pottery that had some value, apparently. They weren't a brand new, beautiful pottery, but these were things that apparently had some value. He had to purchase them. So, and, and nevertheless, purchasing things for your kid to destroy... That itself is, is something useful. It's it, 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 it's satisfa- it's it's it gives satisfaction and joy to the child to break things, and therefore it's not baltashkas. You know, again, he doesn't suggest doing this with pristine writing paper, you know, fresh, good paper. But if you have things which are anyway uh, damaged or broken, even if they still have some use left, he says it's 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 absolutely fine to give them to the children to play with, because he says that itself is uh, is something the child enjoys and. Um, Again, he emphasizes, of course, they're cheap, they're not expensive property to begin with. You don't have to worry about Baltashkis, he says, and and, this, and that's Prashan of the Gemara. The same thing applies here. This uh, blemished or damaged paper, even if it would, even if the, even if were the kid to leave it alone, it would still be of some use to you to do something with it. Nevertheless, the kid having things to destroy, to play with and destroy, that itself is a natural and wholesome childhood activity, childhood need. And therefore, it's not to provide your child with these items to destroy, because he enjoys it, and because that's good for him, and has precedent in the Gemara.